Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. Welcome back to another episode of Inside Illini Football. I feel like we just did one, but here we are again. Tuesday, late morning, October 18th? Yes. It's the bye week, which has sped up our recording process this week because some people need to get out of town and just go celebrate this successful Illinois football season and let everyone know across the country how well they're doing. Except for us, though. We'll, we'll be here. That is true. That is true. We'll be here in Champaign, holding it down, letting everyone know what's what's going on with Brett Bielema's 18th ranked Illini football team, Scotty. The Illini, Illini are coming off a 26-14 homecoming victory against PJ Flex Minnesota Gophers. Could have been about 49-14 to 14 <laughs> if Illinois can figure out how to convert field goals into touchdowns. But I guess we're nitpicking here. Should be celebrating and cherishing the fact that Illinois football is back. They're nationally relevant. And the path to the college football playoff can roll through Champagne. I did see a graphic <laughs> this morning that like had like the seven the seventeen or eighteen teams that like mm-hmm. could still you know, make the college football playoff, and, it, and Illinois was included. Yeah, why not? Illinois football ranked higher than Illinois basketball. It's uh, an interesting time <laughs> we live in. Um, but this has happened for Illinois football before. You know, mm-hmm. the, the one season out of nowhere, lots of success. I think the interesting thing will be, you know, Brett Bielm has talked about building a consistent winner. Mm-hmm. So, you know, just... A little forethinking is like, how does he maintain what has been an impressive 2022 season? Yeah, a lot to get into on, on today's podcast. Uh, I'll hit Scott with some trivia later on. That'll surely stump him. I'll get them all wrong. I uh, can almost guarantee it. <clears throat> spoiler alert, we're going to trivia time next week on Nebraska, since that's Illinois' next game. Announced Monday, 2.30 p.m. kick. At Memorial Stadium in Lincoln, Nebraska, either ABC or ESPN televising the game. Those diehard fans should also listen to voice of the Illini, voice of the Illini, Brian Barnhart, and former Illini All American Martin O'Donnell on the call. You can like sync up the radio call with yeah, the television it's broadcast. Cool when that happens. There's an app for that. I think. All right, Scott, that'll be your first time going to that Memorial Stadium. In uh, in Lincoln, this season just a tour of all the Memorial Stadiums. Now that I think about it, all three of them. In yeah. The Big mm-hmm. Maybe uh, this one will go better than the other trip to the Memorial Stadium in Bloomington, Indiana. Well, the game will certainly <coughs> end sooner. One hopes. You say that now. Don't don't jinx it, Scotty. Well, you have you have covered a nine overtime game here in the last calendar year. Yeah, I'm just not gonna think about that at all <laughs> ever again. Um, but 
you know, this week, not so much happening for the Illinois football team. You know, the coaches are out on the road recruiting. We had George McDonald and aforementioned Martin O'Donnell stop by the Esquire Monday evening for a nice 50-minute discussion uh, geared around Illinois football. And many thanks to, to Coach McDonald for stopping by and shedding some insight not only on this current team, but also his time playing at Illinois in the, the mid to late 90s. I'll have a column on that in, in Wednesday's News Gazette. But uh, I guess first things first, Scotty, is is this Illinois team for real? Is is this is this a, a one-off? Is this a mirage? Uh, can this be sustained now entering the stretch run of the season with a uh, crucial five-game stretch coming up for, for Brett Bielema's program? Don't think it's mirage. I mean, the defense has been good enough, very good, in fact. The best in the country is what you meant to say in certain statistical categories. Like, if you can cherry pick, <laughs> say yes, then they're number one. Um, so, I think they're for real. I'm still curious about what happens when they play like a good team. So I think saying Minnesota's not good. I think they've played seven fairly average football teams. Fair enough. I'm not saying any of them are necessarily bad, mm-hmm. but I'm I'm saying none of them are in the good to great category. Maybe that's just the Big Ten this year, <laughs> outside of Champaign, Ann Arbor, Columbus, and maybe State College. Maybe State College. Um, could be. I mean, I, I think the, the real test will be that November game at Michigan. November 19th. You'll be in Vegas. I'll be watching it. At the Bellagio. Uh, somewhere. With a umbrella and a drink with an umbrella in it. I mean, when in Rome. <laughs> uh, so, I I mean, I think Illinois is good, but, like, are they... Is, is this just born New out York from... New Six Bowl. I mean, is, I don't know. Is this just worn out from years and years of inconsistency and losses where... You keep waiting for the bottom to fall out of this Illinois team, and every week they just go out there, and all they do is win, 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 no matter yeah. what. <laughs> uh, I, don't know, I don't know how to follow that. <laughs> um, I mean, if I'm going to be honest, like the bottom almost did fall out against Iowa. Only, mm-hmm. you know, thanks Ron Turner for getting replay, you know, installed in the Big Ten. Um but, I mean, I think there's still some question marks for this team, and they're mostly offensive. Mm-hmm. You know, the defense, again, very little to nitpick there. Mm-hmm. Like, they have done everything pretty well. Um, but, I mean, I think Brett Bielma, you know, said it at, what, halftime and before. I don't know which game this was. Maybe the Iowa game. Could have been Minnesota. Could have been all of them. Field goals don't necessarily win games. Mm-hmm. No, they did. Against Iowa, because that was all there was. Um, but, you know, these 15, 19 play drives that just peter out at, like, the six-yard line. And what was the one on Saturday? against 19 plays, 72 yards, I think eight minutes, five seconds off the clock, all for three points. <laughs> yeah, when they had, like, four of those. Because like, mm-hmm. the 15 play drives were, like, 75 yards, and it's between six and eight minutes. Um I guess you know you mentioned the nine overtime game at Penn State scoring inside the five, real tough. Mm-hmm. Still tough, apparently, but like it's tough for a lot of football teams in Illinois, like the Bears. Yeah, we don't need to go no, there at all. No, we don't. I don't need to be hurt like that. 
But I mean, I think that that's an issue that needs like some resolution if this team is going to maybe reach the peak of what it's capable of. Because even at six and one, bowl eligible in mid October, like this, Elmo has not played. I think what you could say is its best brand of football yet. Chase Brown. Heisman front runner, Heisman runner up right now. Where does he fit in? You have a Heisman vote, Scott. I do have a Heisman. Where vote. where is he on your ballot right now in in mid October? I think I get a vote for three players on set. So Chase Brown ballot. one, Tommy DeVito two, Fabrizio Pinton three, is what I'm hearing. If I mean, if you are hearing those things in your head, <laughs> seek help. Uh, I. Like Chase Brown is having obviously a tremendous season. He's the nation's leading rusher by a wide margin. 150 some yards over Blake Corum. Mm-hmm. I did the math like a couple days ago. Couldn't remember it off the top of my head. Sorry, right. I did it last night. So yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean that's a pretty big gap. Seven games in the season for everybody on Blake Corum at Michigan. Almost, I th- would almost be tempted to vote for Blake Corum because this is the Ooh. one. Yeah. Like, I've never been booed before. Boo. Here's the one thing that's going to keep Chase Brown off of Heisman ballots, unless in the last five games of the season, things He turns change. into Howard Griffith in 1990 against Southern Illinois. Might need it. He has four rushing touchdowns. He is tied for the team lead with quarterback Tommy DeVito. <laughs> Fleet-footed Tommy DeVito with four rushing touchdowns. Who had three against... Wisconsin and maybe rushed like a yard and half total. Had a very impressive touchdown run against Minnesota, though. I was I was faked out watching that. Where's the ball? Where's the ball? I think that was the last thing that Minnesota ever thought was going to happen. Clearly, because there was no in your time to veto. But like, so you're saying if Chase Brown rushes for two thousand yards and six touchdowns, he's not going to win the Heisman. I think it'd be tough to get to two thousand yards. Unless he's he has, he's got a thousand fifty nine. He's got he's got at least five games left in the regular season. Add in the Big Ten title game. There's six. Still, I don't think would get him on his, based on his season average. Would not get him to two thousand. Okay. But touchdowns matter. Like Blake Corum has thirteen mm-hmm. touchdowns. Like, and that there's I don't know probably too many Heisman voters. Chase Brown got a receiving touchdown so Saturday. He's got six. Or five. Six. He caught a touchdown pass in the season opener. It's the first touchdown of the season. Oh, yeah. That was a long time ago. That was when Illinois wasn't even ranked in the top 100, probably, <laughs> for a lot of people's balance. Probably true. I just, there's a, I don't know, like 800 Heisman voters. That's too many. Mm-hmm. Um, just like bowl games, there's too many. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, I, I mean, like scoring touchdowns is kind of a big deal. That's okay. how a lot of teams win games. And... Is Chase Brown like in the mix? Sure, uh, mm-hmm. he's the nation's leading rusher. You have to—I mean, he mm-hmm. has to be—but that's going to hold him back. And I know and I mentioned that Saturday to our colleague Bob Osmussen, who just put the kibosh on all of that talk. But I was like, well, "Bob, it's true," mm-hmm. and I think it is true. Fair enough. So maybe he punches into a game from between now and early December, and that could change the, the narrative a little bit. True. I mean, Illinois needs someone to score touchdowns. Why Why shouldn't it be Chase Brown? Exactly. Bolster his Heisman candidacy in the process, win some games, set some records. Yeah, speaking of bolstering his candidacy, um, I think that's why he ran the ball 41 <laughs> times Saturday <laughs> against Minnesota. Because I remember not long ago in Bloomington, Indiana, on 
the wee hours Saturday morning mm-hmm. after a Friday night kickoff. That after he rushed thirty six, thirty six times, times. like Brett Bielmo was like that. It's probably too many, and you know, and, and then last week he talked about how you know he felt like some teams just treat running backs like the meat squad, and you know he's he was thinking about their their careers, and then Chase Brown rushes forty one times. There's a disconnect there, and I think the disconnect is let's get this boy a Heisman. Yeah, we'll have to to wait and see. Uh, Chase Hayden had some decent runs in a backup role against Minnesota. Maybe you see more of him against Nebraska. Tommy DeVito was efficient throwing the ball. 25 of 32, probably his most complete game at Illinois. Maybe his most complete game of his entire college career. Yeah, and Chance Josh McCray mm-hmm. is back um, by the Nebraska game. It would have been two months. Since, Since his injury got, against got Wyoming. Wyoming, so I'm not sure how many carries that'll, you know, maybe take away from Chase Brown. I wouldn't expect many because Chase Brown has proven that he can move the chain. So, oh, but I think there's probably a balance somewhere between like 41 <laughs> carries, which is a lot, and then maybe they did that because they knew he was not going to do anything mm-hmm. this week. Um, but somewhere in like I don't know, like twenty eight, I think that's a, f- a nice round number. <laughs> and Chase can do a lot with twenty eight carries. Yeah, and, and George McDonald said this last night when talking to us at the Esquire too. Is I mean he was teammates and roommates with Robert Holcomb, the program's all time leading rusher with four thousand one hundred five yards. Also has a had a ton of carries in his four seasons at Illinois. Holds the single game Illinois record with forty nine. Uh, against East Carolina in a 7 nothing win in 1995. <laughs> <laughs> but mean, what Brett Bielma <coughs> has been talking about like his like all these like records of fallings like having been Iowa, mm-hmm. Minnesota, Wisconsin since 83 is mm-hmm. like maybe he's just looking for records to break. He's maybe. like Robert Holcomb we're coming for you. <laughs> <laughs> but George McDonald made this point as well last night that in Holcomb's day when he was running the ball Illinois didn't have much talent surrounding him. They had some some pretty bleak teams, and Holcomb would see a lot of nine-man boxes a lot of times. And and what Barry Lenny Jr. and Brett Bielma seem to want to do with Chase Brown is to kind of exploit his matchups and try to get him in space one-on-one. It's not like you're just seeing him get the ball, get a handoff from Tommy DeVito, and just run straight into the back of Alex Pilstrom. You kind of see him try to bounce around a little bit, and, and maybe he can break one for for a big game. And great play call too to get him out on the sidelines for that first touchdown pass against Minnesota to kind of really set the tone for the game. And that's the pattern you've seen develop from this Illinois team this year is they have a formula that they are following to a T. And Scott has heard this ad nauseum from everyone from Brett Bielema all the way down to the four-string long snapper. And this is a mantra that Preston Angle. (laughs) This is a mantra that I'm sure... Brett Bielema picked up in his time and was harped on constantly in his two years working under Bill Belichick with the New England Patriots, and that's do your job and trust the process. Everything that is coming to that, and I was McDonald mentioned that numerous times on on Monday evening as well. And but the formula is is build an early lead, let your defense go out there and just pretty much ball out, make plays, frustrate the opposing team's offense. And then just chew up the clock. 
I mean, they had Illinois had the ball for what, 40 minutes? 40 minutes. Oh, that's a 60-minute game, just to, <laughs> as a reminder. <laughs> and Minnesota came in, I th- believe they came into Saturday's game leading the country in time of possession. Yeah, because despite you know running sort of an up-tempo system, they were pretty capable of you know holding on into the ball. A- and Minnesota exposed some, some – there are some flaws in that Illinois defense, even though they are – Number one in scoring defense right now, giving up 8.86 points per game, which is just ahead of Georgia, which is just bonkers to think about. And they are giving up uh, 221 yards per game, which is best in the country. Uh, Mo Ibrahim, good running back, uh, did kind of see some some holes there, and the Minnesota offensive line was able to uh, navigate those, but the quarterbacks are just having a hard time completing passes uh, against the Illinois defense. It's one starts with the the pass rush that Johnny Newton, Keith Randolph, Calvin Avery can establish Seth Coleman as well. And then it's just guys in the secondaries making play. I don't think if you would have told us back uh, you know, in the offseason that Kendall Smith is going to be have four interceptions, going to be tied for fourth in the country with that number and it's Pretty much any jump ball that gets up there, he's going to intercept. <laughs> He'd be like, what are you talking about? Yeah, he was going to leave. Exactly. <laughs> he entered the transfer portal. Mm-hmm. and then they, That uh, just proves that you can enter the portal and it doesn't, doesn't suck you in. It, you, can, yeah. you can come back. And I think, I don't mean, maybe all they said was, all they had to say to Kendall Smith was Kirby Jones. Because <laughs> 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 he's playing the same the same spot in the same role. Um, but his interception against Minnesota on Saturday was... It's unreal. Exactly. I mean, you were there at the stadium. I was watching on TV. It was just like, okay, Tanner Morgan threw a deep ball, and you're thinking, okay, it's got a shot at completion, and then just out of nowhere... He covered, like, half the width of the field mm-hmm. in time to make you know that play, and it was kind of a a collision, you know, at the, the point of impact, you know, with the wide receiver... Kendall Smith and trying to think who was in coverage. Might have been Devin Weatherspoon, mm-hmm. but like he just flew in. Like mm-hmm. literally, I mean, he might have actually flown. <laughs> I'm not sure. And, you know, picked the ball at its highest mm-hmm. point. It was, you know, a tremendous play and sort of what I guess you've come to expect. And, and Quan Martin, too, had an exceptional play as well on, on his interception. I mean, a lot of times you see defensive backs but they're obviously their back is turned to the football and sometimes this is why pass interference gets called quite often is they don't turn around to try to get said ball and that kind of looked to be the case on that particular throw then all of a sudden the last minute Quan Martin just turned around and picked it off like it was just nothing like just easy as could be and uh, I mean that can't be lost too uh, among the the fact with this Illinois team and, and this resurgent that they're undergoing is that they're they're just making good plays at times. And like they're rarely out of position. Exactly. Exactly. Like and Brett Bill must talked about it before and you know uses the bad news bears as a reference and like I'm not sure that's a perfect simile. <laughs> but like they don't have like a couple like star mm-hmm. like these guys are gonna be first round picks in the NFL draft type guys on defense. They just have like eleven guys plus a couple more that just don't make a ton of mistakes mm-hmm. and they're just very solid mm-hmm. and they execute. And it turns out maybe that's all you need. Yeah, I mean maybe they are 
making themselves into NFL draft picks, though, with their yeah, I think, on the field. Yeah, I think a lot of those defensive year. guys have a terrific shot to be drafted. Mm-hmm. I mean, anywhere in the seven rounds, which mm-hmm. creates an interesting scenario for next year. That's a future podcast. That's what do you like to say, Scott? That's a future Scott problem yeah. to deal with. I mean, and that's a that's a future Brett Bielma problem, but mm-hmm. I mean, it's one he'll have to address. That is true. That is true. Uh, so players, coaches have been out on the road recruiting the first couple of days this week. Players are getting some some time off to to rest uh, and recover. Um, looking ahead, though, because we can do that as, as sports writers, we're allowed. And, and Scott, you've written about this. We've talked about this too. And I know you asked George McDonald about this on on Monday evening. And the consensus is, anytime you ask a player or coach about the way the schedule has been set up for Illinois this year, is that what Brett Bielema is a mastermind. Some kind of logistical genius. Exactly. <laughs> Don't know why this hasn't been figured out by other college football coaches, you know, over the hundreds of years. Yeah. Well, this idea of a week zero game is mm-hmm. relatively new. And there's very, like, a specific criteria mm-hmm. that you have to meet to be able to play one. But it just really segmented the season. Mm-hmm. And I think that has to help. Exactly. And you hear coaches in the past all the time talk about – uh, you know, the season's broken up into quarters. You know, the first three games. There's the first quarter. Lovey Smith was a big it, fan so of that. So was Tim Beckman. Heard that a lot. Um, <laughs> among other things. <laughs> Let me explain to you what Oski stands for, <laughs> real quick. Uh, the O. Okay, all right. That's, that's I, not, I honestly don't even remember. All right. I just, just if you take out like seven or eight plays, it's a completely different game. Anyway, um, the the way that Illinois' schedule is set up, though, is you played the first three, three games, games, then you had a bye week, then you had a Thursday night game, which was adjusted, and to give them extra time to prepare for uh, Bielan's return trip to Wisconsin. Then you had three straight Saturdays, and now you get another bye week, and now you're entering the stretch, too, where it is, f- after this Saturday, it's five straight Saturdays to to end the regular season and determine the course uh, as our engineer producer Ed Bond just pointed out with his hands six straight weeks because he's already apparently got his uh, reservations at St. Elmo's in Indy the <laughs> night before the Big Ten title game which is fine That's That's good. A, it sounds kind of like a plan <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you've got five straight regular season games which is going to determine how this season is going to be Remember, everyone, you think back to 2011, the last time Illinois football had a start like this, they went 6-0. and All pretty much everyone remembers from that season is they bottomed out, lost their final six games, Brownsville got fired. Probably have a hard time remembering who the six opponents were that they beat. Can you name them, Scotty? No, but exactly. I'm not good at any of that. <laughs> <laughs> and, I mean, I was not really focused on Illinois football at that time in my life. Do you want to know the six opponents? Sure. Arkansas State. Big win there. 32-15 win, home win. South Dakota State. Even bigger win. 56-3, home. Arizona State, night South, game. South the Brock Osweiler, who's now a college football analyst. Tallest college football <laughs> analyst in the country. 17-14, home win. Western Michigan. Bill Cuba was the coach for the Broncos that day. 23-20 at home. Northwestern home, 38-35. So five straight home games open the season, too. It's like, I'm, well, I kind of am 
beginning to see how this happened. And then at Indiana, 41-20 win, 6-0, move up to 16th in the country. And then and then the <coughs> bottom fell out. Home loss to Ohio State, 17-7. 21-14 loss at Purdue. Knocked them out of the top 25, which they then did not see again for 11 years. <laughs> yeah. Following week at Penn State, Joe Paterno's last game, snowing, 10-7 loss. And then home loss to Michigan, home loss to Wisconsin and Brett Bielema. Loss at Minnesota. There it is. Yeah. Six and six season. So I mean beyond <clears throat> Mike Thomas specifically being hired to fire Ron mm-hmm. Zook. Like, oh the that first stretch is like, I don't know if you should have been imagining great things for Illinois football. Well that's I mean, that's we can look back on the season ten years from now, obviously we know how it's written and, and what happens too, but like you brought up earlier, I mean Illinois is six and one. They've played good football. They still don't have. I mean, who who would you say is that signature win this season? Because Iowa's underachieved, Wisconsin's underachieved, yeah. Minnesota's four and two right now, and their record might have been a bit inflated by their non-conference schedule. You mean beating New Mexico State, Western Illinois, and Colorado doesn't help solidify your? Not particularly, no. Okay. Um, I mean, I think of those six wins, Virginia's bad. Like at Wisconsin, is still probably the best. Okay. And like so Illinois you got do- Paul Chris fired. El- and like Illinois, fairly well dominated that game, and it was. I mean, they hadn't won in Madison in two decades. And I'd all. just be curious to see how much. Again, Illinois made a leap of what six spots in this week's AP Top Twenty Five. They went from twenty four to eighteen. Correct. Scott's got too many AP ballots on his mind, having voted <laughs> in the men's basketball one as well. But. Uh, <clears throat> And, and Martin O'Donnell brought this up last night at the Esquire, and it's a completely valid point, too, is Illinois dominated Minnesota. They just didn't dominate them on the final score because yeah. they couldn't convert field goals into touchdowns. They easily could have won that game 42-14 or 49-14. And then maybe you're seeing... Makes a difference. Yeah. Like they maybe climb a little higher. 16-15 maybe even. Then you're talking you'll be in the <coughs> first uh, CFP, whatever they call it. <laughs> But the final five games this season uh, at Nebraska, October 29th, and then back-to-back home games, Michigan State on November 5th. wonder what Daniel Barker is thinking right now with his life. <laughs> We've all made mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, November 12th, home against Purdue. For the Big Ten West title, most likely. Expecting a college game day visit, most likely, yes. I'm being sarcastic when I say that, but it, all signs point to if game day wants to come to Champaign this year, Illinois needs to win and Purdue needs to keep winning to set up that potential yeah. historic occasion. The stumbling block, perhaps, might be the fact that it's Alabama Ole Miss and Oxford. Ooh, okay. And mm, Alabama's susceptible, though. They can't figure out an offense led by former Illinois assistant coach Alex Golish and a defense led by former Illinois defensive coordinator Tim Banks. Uh, Lost at Tennessee. Yeah. Uh, I just think there's another SEC game, I think, that that week that's pretty good. ESPN, I don't know why they wouldn't want to go to... A Big Ten match. Maybe, okay, maybe maybe ESPN doesn't come here. Maybe 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 it's maybe Urban Fox Meyer. Big Noon. Maybe Saturday. Urban Meyer stops by Champagne and then sees him again the next week. Yeah, because uh, Michigan pretty much lives on Big Noon kickoff, and uh, that's Illinois' next game is at Michigan, November nineteenth. 
Then at Northwestern to end the season on November 26th. All right, my question to you, Scotty, right now as we sort of wrap this up. When it's all said and done, when we go through that five-game stretch, what is Illinois' record going to be? You're the beat writer. You're the local guy. You got a pulse on this. Yeah, I mean, I'm not <coughs> sure that I can say anything other than Ten and two. Oh yeah, there Which you is go. Five more wins than I <laughs> initially projected. Ed's gonna chime in here. Okay, you're talking big game setups. Mm-hmm. Purdue and Illinois. Yeah. The Purdue marching band will be here. Okay. For that ball game. There you go. Are they gonna bring the drum? They'll bring the drum. Won't bring they? the drum. Okay. The next week, uh-huh. Michigan, uh-huh. Illinois at Amar. The Illinois band is going to Michigan. Okay. Two big games in a row with two bands. I like that. I like that. And we know Brett Bielma is like the biggest fan of Barry Hauser. Exactly. Shouted him out uh, a couple weeks ago. Yeah. I'm I'm here for all the band shout outs. I'm just saying this is. uh, Like 10 and 2. Yeah. It's unbelievable almost. I'm just going to go out and say 11 and 1. I, I'm on the bandwagon fully. I've just <laughs> you're, embraced you're, this. You're driving it. I'm, I've embraced it. Uh, I'm drinking orange Kool Aid for breakfast every morning after my orange juice. Uh, I mean, it's crazy to say these words out loud considering Illinois football's history and their lack of any sustainable success. And that's, again, a key point, and we'll address that in the offseason, too, no matter how this season comes out. How do they keep this going? Because there's going to be some... Because we've together. seen this in the past. We've seen teams, 2001, yeah. 2007, have these Sugar Bowl, Rose Bowl, then nothing. Exactly. So that is a... And I get why Illinois fans are kind of worried about that. Enjoy this moment. But also, you may uh, enjoy it, because it doesn't happen <clears throat> all that often. I mean, let's say, okay, they go 11-1. and one. Big Ten title game, Ohio State. It's not crazy to think if they beat Ohio State in the Big Ten title. Again, I know it's mid-October. It's October 18th as we record this. Tell me a 12-1 and Illinois team that has wins against Ohio State and at Michigan does not find a way in the college football playoff. Then all the posturing will start about a one-loss SEC team. and Yeah, I mean. Yeah. It's going to get real. There's, uh, there's, <laughs> there will be a conversation had that, like, this like Illinois, yeah, fine. They beat Michigan, Ohio State. They also lost to Indiana. Their offense has been unpredictable. So, so. Mm-hmm. Maybe not. Of course, maybe the last five games that changed. Can you imagine if that scenario? Happening, if they get left out, if they get left out, and I think Twitter might break. Yeah, I mean, certainly lots of things in Champagne will be set on fire. <laughs> <laughs> I think the more real, because I mean. I can see them getting to the Big Ten Championship game. Mm-hmm. The next, I cannot clear the next hurdle. That's fair. Like Ohio State is simply, I mean, better than almost every team in the country. And Michigan's really good. And Michigan is really good. But ten and two, regular season, lose to Ohio State in the Big Ten Championship game. Get you a Rose Bowl spot, maybe. Yeah, Michigan will probably still. Be, I mean, if well, depends I'll, on if Michigan beats Ohio State again. Though in, how, how, in the game. I think Michigan would probably still clear Illinois and be in the Rose Bowl. Scotty, you and I are pretty even keeled when it comes to sports. We 
try to not get too high, not to get too low. You know, we have our jobs to do, remain objective. You just kind of zone out when you're covering a game. But how much more, how different is this than talking about what we kind of thought all along with this Illinois season where it'd be kind of the roller coaster of, oh, they might be get a big win and then they're going to fall back to earth and we're sitting here talking year two. Brett Bielema sitting at, you know, three and four or something like that. Yeah. And maybe what? maybe wondering if they can get to the six wins and they're they're already there. They're trying to improve their stock from the quick lane bowl to the citrus bowl or the rose bowl or really just send me someplace warm. That's all <laughs> I want. Um, and that's it, all Illinois fans want too. Yeah, they just wanna they want to go someplace warm. It's certainly different to cover a team that wins, mm-hmm. like consistently. Um I mean I think back in you experience this some with like Joe Spencer, I and mean, it's always an offensive lineman because like they always bring <laughs> mm-hmm. offensive linemen to us. But like they Nick are Alleg- the most, the, usually they are the most well spoken. Like Nick Allegretti, it was like mm-hmm. how many times Doug did, Kramer, <laughs> Doug Kramer, how many times did we ask them? Was like just what has gone wrong mm-hmm. in X, Y, or Z? Like mm-hmm. there's always something always went wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, don't really have those questions to ask anymore. Now it's like I mean, I asked Alex about. Chesky, because he had a lot of those what went wrong questions, because mm-hmm. he's been here for uh, a decade. <laughs> Three-fifths um, of a decade. Yeah, a, a long time. <laughs> but he saw Illinois at its lowest, and mm-hmm. is now experiencing you know, success that he never has before. And it's like, what it's like just to be able to say, like, six wins is nice, but, like, this team can achieve more. Mm-hmm. Like, they were just hoping and praying for six wins through mm-hmm. most of his career. It's just it's just different. Yeah, and that's uh that seems to be a common theme though with uh everyone from Bealum all the way down is okay, they're there. Now they want to do more. Now they want to you know get 8, 9, 10 win just keep this thing keep this thing rolling this season and I'll be interested to see what the crowds are going to be like too Memorial Stadium uh, in November. I only have two more home games left this season. Nebraska is not an easy place to play. It'll be eighty-five, ninety thousand people there, uh, all dressed in red, at Memorial Stadium. Should be a, you know, crisp fall afternoon. They've still got a lot to play for. Mickey Joseph is trying to bring that thing home so he can be the permanent coach at Nebraska. Don't think that'll happen, but don't think that'll happen. We didn't think Illinois would be six and one, so you never <laughs> know at that point too. So that's just uh, it's the beauty of sports. All right, well, that'll wrap up uh, this week's episode of Inside Illini Football. Be sure to follow all of our coverage in the pages of the News Gazette at IlliniHQ.com, and we'll be back next week for more on Inside Illini Football. Have a good week, everyone.